The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. And when he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. No doubt, most of us here at some point in our lives have gone out of our way to see someone. It may have been to meet them, it may have been simply to be in their presence. It might be someone we wanted as a friend, perhaps as a spouse. It might have been someone who was public figure, a great speaker, an orator, a scholar, an artist. We wanted to be in their presence, at least for a while. Why? Who knows? Were we better as a result of being in the presence of that person? Perhaps. Perhaps in an ongoing way. Then again, perhaps not. We might have gone to see someone because they had a reputation for holiness, although less frequently. But were we a different person as a result of it? As I said, maybe. And maybe we simply went there to be able to say, I met so-and-so or I saw so-and-so. A matter of curiosity, perhaps. That's today's gospel. 
Last week, we had a parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Today, we have the real thing in the flesh. And his name is Zacchaeus. We are told that he was not only a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. And so we know from last week, he was hated by his people, considered a great sinner because he was a Roman collaborator, but even more because he could extort money from people and did. And this man wanted to see Jesus. We aren't told why. I heard somebody say the other day that in the great churches of Europe, people go for one of two reasons, either to pray or uh, out of curiosity. Tourists. They want to see the building. They might go for both reasons, I think, to see the building and to pray. But we aren't told why he went. Curiosity, perhaps. There's this great rabbi. He doesn't know that God in human form is passing by. God and man is walking down that street. But we get the impression there was something in him that wanted more than just a view of him. Uh, He was moved by something. He may have thought it was his idea. But as in the case of all of us, God always takes the initiative, and it's God's idea. God had been calling him from all eternity. And now Zacchaeus decides, for whatever reason, to see him. And he wants to see him badly enough He's willing to look a little ridiculous and climb a tree. Now, when we are 12, that's perfectly acceptable. When we get to the age of 32, people will think us to be a little eccentric, uh, unless we're after something in the tree. But Zacchaeus climbs the tree to see Jesus. That's all he expected to do, because he was short. Our Lord is passing by. And again, he's always passing by, isn't he? Every moment of our lives, he's passing by. When we're here, we know it because he's passing by in the flesh, but he's always passing by. And so he reaches the place, and the Lord looks at him. Can you imagine that look? Hopefully we can imagine it, because we receive it. Constantly throughout the day, we receive the look of Jesus. He looks at him and says, calls him by name. This unknown he calls by name. He knows who he is. He knows what he is, too. He knows what, who we are and what we are. Remember that line from, once again, Cardinal Newman. Whatever I am, I can never be thrown away. And so then he speaks to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down Quickly. That's important. Come down quickly. When the Lord calls, he means us to respond and not to ponder it. The call of the apostles was the same way. Come after me. It's a command. He says that it's a command. Come down quickly. Respond at once. I'm calling you. For today, I must stay at your house. Not only has he come down, but he must stay at his house. So he does, and receives him with joy. Now, he might have received him with tears, and and that would be very good. He might have received him beating his breast, as the tax collector last week did. 
But at the moment, he's just filled with joy. The repentance will come in a moment. He comes down with joy, as we should. And so he goes. And then comes the grumbling. doesn't mention Pharisees, but those who grumble. He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. I think it was William Blake who said, then all must love the human form in heathen, Turk, or Jew. Where mercy, love, and pity dwell, their God is dwelling too. So he goes to his house. And Zacchaeus is radically transformed by the presence of the Lord. In fact, so much so that he does something radical. There isn't just conversion and penance. There isn't just contrition. There's a radical statement about what he has been and what he wishes to become. Which is what we should do, too, when we have been transformed. The sacrament of reconciliation, when we go to confession, there's a radical transformation that's supposed to take place, and often does. I would suggest that when we leave there, generally speaking, we are uplifted for at least five minutes before we go back to ordinary life. Uh, But Zacchaeus is not. Zacchaeus, all of a sudden, is going to do something radical that will change his life forever. He does something. That's important. There isn't just a resolution. He says, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. That must have been a lot of money. I will give to the poor. Half. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall pay it four times over. He knows what's wrong in his life. He did before he climbed the tree. He may not have been aware of it at the moment, but once the Lord looked at him, he was. He knew this was different. And now his life would be different. And he's joyful about it. He's not grudging. He's not angry. Uh, he's not gritting his teeth. He's joyful about this. I shall repay it four times over. He knows what the problem is. He knows how to change it. And he does it in a radical way. He probably could have given less. He probably could have given only what he knew he should have given and only what he knew he had extorted from people. He's going to give half of everything and repay it four times over. And so our Lord can say, today's salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. So if we can realize that we are lost and realize why, sometimes we don't want to admit what's wrong, do we? We want to pretend that we are just fine, but Zacchaeus did too for many years, evidently. But at some point he had a change. He said, no, there is something wrong with me. Very wrong, and I must do something about it. Therefore, without realizing, I will go and see Jesus. I will go and see him. And so this is what happens. Notice once again, he has a name. That's rare. He has a name. This didn't happen to somebody, not to this man or this woman. It's to a man with the name Zacchaeus. He appears once in scripture, disappears, we never hear from him again, and we don't know what happened in his life. The gospel doesn't bring all the pieces together the way a novel would. He's just out there. We assume he was there for all of it. Because the price of his conversion would be what he least wanted to see, and that's the cross. That's the price of our conversion, too. The cross. And so, our Lord is passing by, as he does in the Eucharist. I mentioned this story, I think, once before. Of the 16th century, three Englishmen who came to Rome... They were children of the Reformation, and 
came to mock the church. They wanted to see Rome too. They came to mock the church. In fact, they went outside because the Pope, Pope, Pius, Pope St. Pius V, was going to be passing by. They were going to mock him, not out loud, because you couldn't do that in those days, but to themselves. And it turned out he was passing by because there was a Eucharistic profession, uh, procession. He was carrying a monstrance. Pius XII was a rather diminutive figure. He had a hernia, too, so he was always bent over. He was carrying the monstrance. And as he passed by, one of the men dropped to his knees. And eventually, the other two did also. I'm not sure about all three, but one of them, at least, became a priest and returned to England, where he became a martyr. And did all of that because uh, Jesus was passing by. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son, trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always respond to the presence of the Lord in their lives and realize that presence in conversion. We pray for the church suffering and the freedom of the church in our own country. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For all, our nation and all nations, that they may come to know conversion, come to know Jesus Christ and his church. For all those running for public office, that they will be men and women of wisdom and virtue. And for peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord for all those who are sick and suffering, for those who experience alienation and rejection, confusion, depression, that they will know that they are called by God. For those who experience great temptation, for those who have lost faith and lost peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord for an end to abortion and all those crimes against life, especially this, at this time when we have to elect our public servants, to an end to embryonic stem cell research, cloning, all forms of euthanasia. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women will be visible signs of God's call and forgiveness. For a greater reverence for the integrity of marriage as between one man and one woman, for our greater reverence for this single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our for our bishop, as he prepares to leave us, for his successor, and for the administrator, whoever those people may be, for our priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that they will be people of prayer so that their presence may call many to repentance, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, who all have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. 
for all of us here, that we may hear the voice of God as he passes by and be aware of the presence of the Lord in conversion. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of Mercy as we sing. mentioned voting in my prayers of the faithful, we do have an obligation under God in that regard, particularly when it comes to life issues. Those are the most sacred of all. Without that, nothing else really matters. So we have to consider that above all as we exercise this civil responsibility. People will say the church should stay out of politics. The church cannot stay out of politics. The church is everywhere. There's no place where she isn't. There are places where politics isn't, but not where the church isn't. She will always be there in the midst of everything and hopefully having a great influence on it. Um, And that's our job as Catholics.